The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. And that's because the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe has some great features like the available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, and much, much more. So think about those places that you want to go, the things that you'd like to do this weekend and where the Santa Fe can take you. Learn more about the all new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Freaking first cut. Golly! Welcome to the First Cut Podcast. I'm Greg Ducharme with you this evening right here uh, on the First Cut DFS edition. And I'm joined by Patrick McDonald for a Ryder Cup special. This is a unique little DFS slate that we have here this week uh, for the cup matches. The format is a little bit different. We'll talk about all of that. We'll talk about the golf course and take you through the entire slate. But Patrick, are we on are we on Rome time yet? Or are you you working your way into it? How how you feeling? All eyes are set for Friday, and Greg, it's great to be here. I know I'm not the typical guest, but like you said, we got a unique DFS slate, so let's bring in a unique perspective. And I think day by day, I'm checking an hour towards 1 a.m. wake-up call. So this morning, I woke up around 3.30, 4 a.m. I'm a bit delirious right now, I'm not going to lie. Uh, and, and by Friday, hopefully that's 1 a.m. All right. So you're in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean right now, working your way east towards Rome for the takeover. Um, okay. So a couple things that we got to get into here. First, as we always do on our DFS episodes, we start with the golf course. And Marco Simone is a golf course they played at the Italian Open at. Uh, it was designed in 1991 by Jim Fazio. And his nephew, I believe, Tom Fazio II, did the renewal in 2018. And we had the Italian Open hosted there on the DP World Tour in 2021 uh, and also this year. So the winners of those have been Nikolai Hoygaard and Robert McIntyre. Is that right? McIntyre won this one. Uh, That is correct. He got the better of Matt Fitzpatrick, I believe. So number of the Europeans have played Marco Simone in, in competition. None of the Americans have, which is an interesting thing. It reminds me a little bit of the golf Nationale, where only Justin Thomas had competed. But, um, but when you look at this golf course, what stands out to you, Patrick? You know, the term we heard all U.S. Open week was half pars. And I think once you get past those first six holes, the first third of the golf course, it's going to be an extremely back and forth type of competition. Uh, we heard Victor Hovland talk about it today where he, he really doesn't like this golf course for a stroke play event. And I think Sub Straka even 
echoed his comments where for a stroke play event, you know, probably not their cup of tea, but for a match play and the volatility and the scoring that it allows and how on some holes par is going to be a really good score on other holes. You're going to have to go and get a birdie, potentially an Eagle. And you look from seven on, I mean, 220 yard par three, 500 yard par four, just really tough holes right there. But then you get a par five, a drivable par four. There's a few of those as well. You get one on 11, you get another coming in on 16. I believe there's one in the first stretch of holes as well. Where a couple of them have water around the green as well. And and so I think it's going to set up for a really fun and exciting Ryder cup. And you kind of see it with the holes and the composition with the lengths and um, you know, a number of the par threes are on the odd holes where you kind of know which type of player is going to play on which hole. Patrick Cantlay said today, uh, Fred couples came up to him and it was like, you're on the odd holes. And he was like, all right, you know, didn't, didn't really know. Someone asked him, was like, is there a reason? He goes, I'm just told what I'm going to do what I'm told to do. Um, and so I'm really looking forward to it. I came into the week without much knowledge of the golf course, but as, as we build towards it, I'm really getting excited. It, it does look like a, a pretty cool golf course for an event like this. Um, you mentioned half par and really par is an arbitrary number, you know, in, in the game of golf, the only reason we have par at all in my opinion, other than telling golfers what they should be expected to do it, it at the professional level and in any competition level, it's really just to measure where people are when they're at different phases of the golf course. So you understand when somebody's on Sunday uh, on the first hole and somebody's on the seventh hole where they stand, it gives you a kind of a number to relate to in match play. It's entirely useless. I mean, it really serves no purpose whatsoever. So you could take a 360-yard hole and move the tee forward and make it drivable. Uh, It could be not drivable. There's a par attached to it, but it just doesn't matter. A 500-yard hole, I mean, technically this is a par 71 as they're playing this week. Uh, If you go and play the golf course, it's a par 72. And one of the holes, I believe, what is it, number seven? That's the converted... um, the converted par five into a par four. I mean, it's the same thing, whether it's a par four or a par five, it, it makes no difference because you're going shot for shot when it comes to match play. Um, so I, I think that's going to be a, an interesting thing. It gives you a little bit of a different viewing experience, but as you look at this golf course from a DFS standpoint, Patrick, um, what kind of things stand out to you? Do you think this is more of a second shot golf course, more of a driver's golf course? Is there a certain area of the game that you think will be um, of extra importance? Oh, gosh, I, I think that's really tough to say. I, I think it's going to be a tremendous test. Um, not quite a major test, but maybe major adjacent, uh, a really good signature event, perhaps. Uh, but I, I really think ball strikers are going to reign supreme around this place and you think about someone like you know Hogard who, who played well here he's a guy who can hit it long and is a really good uh, iron player as well and I, I kind of take that type of profile and if you have someone with a complete game like like a Cantlay or Xander or Rory and, and Victor they're obviously going to thrive around just about any golf course but I, I really think if you're in between skill sets and you know maybe I want to go for a guy who can get a hot putter, which is always useful in match play. I kind of lean more towards the ball strikers because I know these greens are pretty tiered, pretty difficult. 
I, I believe they had one of the higher three putt percentages on the DP World Tour, which I think you could look at one or two ways where you would think the good putters would be able to separate themselves more. But at the flip, it could be a good thing for a Scotty Scheffler, where if everyone's ma- missing a lot of putts, that'll bring them back up to kind of level par in that respect. So I- I'm kind of leaning more towards the ball strikers. And, uh, you know, if they have the full skill set like most of the 24 guys do, uh, that's just gravy on top. Yeah, the full skill set's going to be um, very important. Now, I, I do look at this golf course as more of a driver's golf course. Uh, I think I think it's a, a first-shot golf course first because there's so much trouble. And you look at the general theme here, and you're talking about uh, fairways that have some... You know, they're, they're hittable fairways. They're not overly narrow. I've heard they're a little wider than they were at uh, Le Golf National. But just off of them is some pretty heavy rough. Uh, you get into the the native grasses there, and it can be extremely penal. You have some water that can be extremely penal. I, I do believe getting the ball in play off the tee will be paramount. Um, very, very important. But at the same time, in a format like this, making birdies is the thing that typically wins you holes. And so now iron play becomes critical. Uh, putting does carry some importance, but really that, that comes from the iron play. So I'm with you in the ball striker category. I may put a little bit of a lean to guys who are, are really, really strong drivers of the golf ball. Uh, but all in all, I, I think this is going to be quite a test. I really do. I, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to seeing how it's played in competition in a competition like this, seeing how, how Luke Donald sets it up. You know, that's the other big difference in a Ryder cup and a DP world tour event or a PGA tour event or a major is the, the captain can set up the golf course to try to benefit his team. So before we get to a break, you know, this is a unique Ryder cup as well, because typically the Americans have the clear distance advantage and and a clear driving accuracy disadvantage. But this one seems like it might be a little bit different. You may even lean the other way where the Europeans have the advantage when it comes to distance and the Americans have the advantage when it comes to accuracy. What are your thoughts on that? I, I think we touched on it a little bit last week where the Europeans and the American skill sets are really converging because I believe you you mentioned it, how all the European guys their edge really comes from growing up on these type of golf courses and, and playing these type of golf courses from when they first touch a club until, you know, they go to college like a John Rahm in the United States or a Ludwig at Texas tech. And then that that's what they really lean on, but their skill sets, they're all pretty freaking similar. And when you look at dr- driving distance, you obviously have Rory at top at the top, John Rahm Ludwig. And then I think, intertwined somewhere is like a Wyndham Clark for the top four in terms of driving distance in this field. So they do have the distance edge. And I believe technically the Americans have like a point something percent edge and driving accuracy. Like you're really splitting hairs when it comes to off the tee and, and who's better at what in terms of distance and accuracy between these two teams. So I think I'm not really sure how Luke Donald can set it up for his team. I know Rory McIlroy mentioned getting wedges out of the hands of some of the Americans and turning this into a mid iron long iron type of affair. But I, I think that also could lean into the Americans when you have guys like, 
You know, if, if a vintage Justin Thomas shows up, I mean, that guy ate long irons for breakfast for most of his career. Colin Morikawa as well. Brooks Kepka too. Scotty so, Scheffler. Scotty Scheffler, of course. How could I forget about the world yeah. number one? And, and so I think, yes, there was a little game within the game already. Uh, you, you saw it where the U.S., their scouting trip, the rough was a little different than it already is this week. They already trimmed it down in some parts where they weren't expecting. Um, but outside a couple nuances, I think, and maybe tightening the fairway and creating a few bottlenecks so players try to avoid you know, pounding it down there perhaps. I mean, the skill sets are so similar that I, I think it's, it's a little tough to create a, a significant or you know, noticeable edge for the home team. I think that's uh, some really good insight there. Really valuable. So we are going to flip the coin and go into this DFS slate. We'll explain the scoring format for the week uh, and go through each price range and and give you some advice on how you should construct your lineup. We're going to do all that after we hear a quick word from our partners. Did you know that more than 75% of Americans will experience foot pain in their lifetime, but only 10% will seek out a solution for that pain. Those numbers do not add up to me. And I know it can be confusing the biomechanics of the foot, the bones, the muscles, everything in between, but solving foot pain is simple. And that's where super feet comes into play. These super feet insoles go into your shoes, give your feet comfort and support where they need it the most and redistribute the forces that reduce both stress and strain through your entire body, not just your feet. Insoles have been uh, phenomenal for me uh, personally, and they are clinically proven to decrease fatigue, reduce injury, and improve comfort. I can attest to that myself, especially when walking a, a lot of golf holes that I play. So if you feel good, you play good, you look good, everything works out from there and it starts from the bottom up. Visit superfeet.com and enter promo code FIRST at checkout for 15% off your first order plus free shipping. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. And we're back. Um, now we're going to get into this uh, DFS slate here, Patrick. But we have a unique format and a unique scoring format when it comes to your DFS lineup. So I'll just read you through kind of how this works. Basically, you, you still have six uh, six players on your team, six roster spots. Um, one of them is a captain. So the captain gets, he's a little more expensive than the typical price. And he also gets you a point and a half for every fantasy point in each value. And now when it comes to the fantasy points that you gained, you get three points for a win, uh, a, a whole one. You get 0.75 for a whole tied and you lose 0.75 for a whole lost. And when you don't play a whole, you get um, the meaning you've won the match and and you're, you know, 15, you know, let's say 15 through 18, you don't play, but you get a, a point, 1.6 points for each of those. And then there are a couple of bonuses. Um, if you win the match, you get uh, five extra points. A halved match gets you 
two points and uh, you look at some of the streaks, a streak of three consecutive holes, one uh, in a match is uh, is five points. And there's a, a maximum on that, just one. If you don't lose any holes, you get a seven-point bonus as well. So a little bit of unique scoring here. The, the most interesting thing to me is who your captain is going to be. Um, and then second to that, you're looking for some volatility. You know, you'd rather win five holes and lose four holes than win one hole and uh, have all the other, I suppose. Well, I guess you for a have. Is that right? Oh, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm, you, you yeah. want to win. You want to win as many holes as possible. Yeah, uh, you do. And and the law losing holes costs you a little bit less. Mm-hmm. So that that's kind of an interesting system yeah it's uh it's fun it's unique i think the name of the game is one usage right the best available the best ability is availability which one of these guys are going to play the most which one of these you know lower tiered guys is going to get get the most runs at it and two if uh you want to stack uh right do you want to go with a couple pairings knowing uh you could on the good side, potentially win a lot of points, but on the bad side, really flop. If if you go with a, you know, maybe you load up on a, on a Cantlay-Xander combo, but they underperform expectations. So I think those two things, and then you got to really target the team that you believe will win the Ryder Cup. Uh, because at the end of the day, if, say, the Europeans have better records, uh, you know what? That means they're going to win the Ryder Cup and probably have more DraftKings points too. Yeah, so uh, I I think it's a wise thing to lean one way, but as close as this Ryder Cup looks to be on paper, um, you know, with the European home advantage, the Americans' advantage in depth, this is really setting up to be a really close competition. I, I think the majority of the pundits feel that way, so it may be a wise idea to sprinkle in a couple of, um, you know, the team you think is going to lose. You you might want to add a couple of them into your lineup. But what do you think? Maybe is this a, a four, two split? Are you going as strong as five, one in DFS? What, what's your kind of break, general breakdown? I, I do agree where, you know, I'm expecting a score somewhere around like 15 to 13. Uh, and I think yeah. you and me are on the same, same side of the coin with the Americans. So yeah, four, two is probably the lineups I've constructed so far, that's kind of what I've landed on. I've landed on some three threes as well, uh, but nothing to the point of five one. I don't have a conviction that heavy uh, one way or the other. And, and, and so it's kind of more of the, uh, the balanced build so far, if you can even claim that. Yeah, I'd say balanced build with a slight lean. So uh, we'll take a look at this slate here. And the pricing I mentioned at first will be, it will not be for the captain slot. Okay, so the price goes up if you're gonna if you're gonna add one of these players as a captain. But in the nine K price range, you're looking at Scotty Scheffler, ninety eight hundred, Rory McIlroy, ninety six hundred, John Rahm, ninety two hundred, and Patrick Cantlay at a even nine thousand. Uh, w- when you look at that list, uh, where where are you going, Patrick? When I look at that list, I think there's one guy who might go a little bit underowned and underappreciated just because he might be working with a new putting coach and he might be working with a new putter and maybe he tinkled with his stance a little bit and that's world number one scotty scheffler at 9800 
I do think there's a leverage opportunity there because you think about the European team, they probably trot out Rory McIlroy five times. They probably trot out John Rahm five times. And then you have that partnership of Patrick Cantlay and Xander Shoffley as well, where, you know, Scotty's partner for four ball is presumed to be Sam Burns Four sums, I think is a bit up in the air at the moment based on some pairings from the practice rounds. So uh, there, there's probably a little bit of hesitation and we just haven't seen Scotty Scheffler in a while. We've seen Rahm and Rory at the BMW PGA championship and they played quite well. So for me, I really like the idea of rostering Scheffler in this top spot. Maybe not your captain's pick just because that'd make it a bit more expensive. Uh, and I, I like Scotty Scheffler to have a great Ryder cup. I really do. Um, you talk yeah. about total driving uh, at the beginning, Greg, Scotty Scheffler is, you know, w- one of the best golf, you know, drivers with the golf ball in the world. Tita Green, he is the best player in the world, and he can't get worse putting. So mm. this is a great opportunity for you to potentially tap into that upside of him maybe gaining like a stroke around if the Phil Kenyon magic rubs off on him. So of those four, I don't think you can go wrong, but I do like the opportunity with Scotty Scheffler at, at this price. I do too, especially if you're going to lean to the American side. I think Scheffler is going to be a big piece of that. Um, I've heard that he's going to start off with Sam Burns and four sums um, and and potentially play with Kepka in the afternoon. Um, those are just some grumblings that I've heard. If he were your captain, he would be 14-7. So a very steep price uh, if you go that way. It, it's still an option. It can work. Uh, I'm not sure that Scotty Shuffler is going to be the MVP of this Ryder Cup. But you know, with all these four players, that usage is going to be really high. So that's really out of the equation. Uh, and now you're looking at, well, okay, win, winning team, I think the U.S. So if you're going to go U.S. on the winning team, you're between Scheffler and Cantlay. And you may have an opportunity to work both of those guys in. You could also drop down to a Xander Shoffley, pivot off of Cantlay, go with a Xander Shoffley. So there's a lot of options that you can uh, deploy if you are going to go with the Scotty Scheffler. I love the take on the putting as well. It, it's it's not going to get worse. And if if his work with Phil Kenyon is going to light a little bit of a spark, then that's great. Uh, and and if it doesn't, well, he's still the number one player in the world. So I, I, I agree with you, Patrick. I think Scotty Scheffler is the guy here. Also important to realize Rory McIlroy's record in the, in the Ryder Cup is dead even, 12-12 and 4. So as great a player as he is, it, it's not a lock that in a DFS slate he's going to be the most valuable player. So you can have some caution with him and Rom I think is going to be very partner dependent. We have some questions about him off the tee especially so it's going to be an, an interesting thing. I, I go in that 9K with uh, with one of the U.S. players, and I'd lean towards Scheffler. Um, taking a look at the 8K range here, we got Victor Hovland at 8,800, Brooks Kepka at 8,600, Tommy Fleetwood at 8,400, Xander Shoffley 8,200, and it's rounded out with Colin Morikawa at a flat 8,000. Again, those are non-captain position prices. Uh, so you got... You got two Europeans there, Hovland and Fleetwood, and uh, and and three Americans. What are your thoughts? I think the Europeans in this range, Hovland and Fleetwood, are going to go very high owned, and rightfully so. You think about Victor Hovland. I know he went oh three and two in his debut, but 
he was paired with like Bern Weisberger and all signs are pointing to a potential Scandinavian super team lurking there in Rome with uh, one Mr. Ludwig Aberg. So that'd be a very formidable duo. And the summer he just capped off with two wins in the FedEx Cup playoffs, including the FedEx Cup, just playing tremendous golf. Uh, the short game woes, many believe have uh, passed him by. I'm still a little skeptical, to be honest with you. Pressure has a weird way of bringing back old tendencies, I believe. So Hovland's chipping is something I'm actually keeping an eye on this week, despite what others might. You look at right there at Wentworth, those around the green numbers, not fantastic. And I, I think there is a chance that they do come back. Uh, I, I kind of look back to the tour championship, the one up and down he had late. He had a chip to about 20 feet from in mm. front of the green on the long par four on the back nine there at East Lake. He was able to make the putt, gave a mighty fist pump, but the chip itself crept in some doubt in my brain at least. So if you want to pick apart these guys, I, th- I think you could still a little bit with Hovland there. Fleetwood, we saw what he did in pairs with uh, Molinari. Four and one total for that week was a bit underwhelming last year or in 2021. And then Xander like you said at the top with Cantlay, I think a lot of people are going to forego Cantlay and roster Xander instead, kind of driving up his ownership, which is a bit of a concern. And that leaves Brooks Kepka at 8,600, which I think is a very intriguing play. His, his usage is a bit of a mystery, I think, because yeah. the recent form, not fantastic. I think he finished like 25th-ish at Live Golf Chicago. Um, and, but we saw him paired in practice rounds with a Scotty Scheffler. And I've heard the same murmurs of you about a potential Brooks Kepka Scotty Scheffler partnership at some point in this, uh, competition, which would be very, very nice at this price range to get attached to the world number one. And I think Colin Morikawa at 8,000 is also in for a great Ryder cup, just the way he's been playing. Uh, the total strokes gained, the putting issues seem to to have gotten better. He's one of the more he is the most accurate driver of the golf ball in this field over the last three months. The iron plays world class, and so I would kind of lean towards the Americans, and I'm, I'm kind of looking more to backfill my roster with with Europeans on the back end, uh, but filling the 9K and 8K range with the Americans. I have a couple things there with with Hovland. I'm a li- I'm not worried about a short game. I, I think Hovland is set for a great Ryder Cup. It, it could be concerning the Aberg pairing. I know that gets a lot of hype, and we're very excited to see what Ludwig can do. But there's still a big unknown in my. I mean, the guy was playing college golf this year, and so how much do you want to lean on on that kind of thing? You could. You could cost yourself a point in a position like that. So that gives me a little worry, more so than short game, partly because even if old tendencies do come back, Patrick, a lot of the areas around these greens are thick rough, Uh, you know, not a ton of runoff areas and thick rough has a way of it's almost like slow greens. It limits the skill that's required a little bit. And as um, as the surfaces get tighter and tighter, and you're in more and more fairway runoff areas, that's when short game skill is really highlighted or exposed. And so I, I think Hovland has a couple of avenues to kind of get away with that. It's also a very easy surface in the fairway to 
to chip off of. So I'm not worried about his short game. I'm just not, I'm still not sure he's the best play here. I, I think he's going to be very popular. I think he might be the most popular captain selection, which, which is another reason why I kind of like to stay away. And, and I like you, I, I go to Colin Morikawa. I, I think Colin Morikawa is going to play with Max Homa. Uh, so I, I think he'll get, um, that team should lock him up for at least three starts uh, in, in two and foursomes and singles. And then I wouldn't be surprised to see him in another match um, in, in another match with somebody else in the four ball. I, I think they're going to really lean on Morikawa and his driving accuracy is a big part of that story. Xander and the popularity, I may still be willing to uh, to take that on because of the, the can't lay and the price at 8,200. I mean, the, the way to, the way to do this is to take either Morikawa or Shoffley and make them your captain. And, and I think Shoffley is probably the safest captain um, because he has the can't lay pairing. He's 12,300 in the captain spot. And that leaves you with some pretty good options. Um, Morikawa is 12,000 flat. So either of those two guys, they're probably my leaders when it comes to who I'm going to play as the captain. And, and I think, um, I, I have more faith in Cantlay, more faith that he's going to play with Cantlay as well than I do with Morikawa and Homa. I know that's a great pairing and everybody's looking forward to it. And I think they'll play a lot, uh, but there's still some unknown about it. Right. I mean, lingering in my mind is still the miscut at dessert classic. Maybe it shouldn't. Maybe it shouldn't. But those guys should be able to contend in that event. So I don't I, I'm I'm not quite sold on that. So Xander leaves you with some pretty good options. He leaves you if you if you put Xander in the captaincy role, you end up with an average remaining salary of seventy five forty, which is plenty. Uh, it gives you a lot of options in that range. So um, any other thoughts, anybody else you think we missed on in, in the 8k range or you feel pretty good about that? Feel pretty good. And just to your point about Xander, right? I mean, Freddie couples, the guy goes on golf channel today, says he's not spilling any beans, but goes like, Oh yeah, Xander and Cantley, they'll play four. So will Spieth and JT, uh, which, you know, you would think everyone knew certainly the, the analytics guys on the European team, Luke Donald said today that, they were tracking not only their own team statistics, but also uh, the Americans statistics as well to see who they might potentially pick. And as producer Josh said, you know, Fred Couples had the hit formerly known as Cam Young will be in Rome. And clearly that was a flop as well. So who knows what you can trust in this guy. But it's just, uh, you know, another notch on the belt if, if you're worried about any type of concern of usage. But yeah, Xander and Cantlay should probably be trotted out each and every time for the Americans. There's a lot less time for things to change uh, than there was when, when Fred said that Cam Young would be in Rome and who knows Cam Young might be in Rome. I don't know. That is uh, true. Although I doubt it, but um, yeah, I, I think you're going to see um, can't lash awfully Thomas Spieth, uh, Morikawa, Homa and Scheffler Burns. That's my prediction for your, your first four on Friday morning in foursomes. I kind of lean Kepka and Scheffler in foursomes, Burns and Scheffler in four ball. Inter- what makes you say that? I think just Burns's volatility off 
the T is a little concerning, I think. And we've seen rounds. I look back to the PGA Championship in particular where his ball striking just really falls off a cliff. And I know you got the complementary skill sets of Burns' putting with Scotty Scheffler's ball striking, but I could really see a, a, a really formidable duo there with Brooks and Scotty Scheffler in the four ball where you got two major champions. They kind of play, play the same way where they want to pepper greens and pepper fairways. And I know that might not do great in four ball, but in four some, that's really a recipe for success. If you can just continuously put pressure on your opponent by hitting fairways and regulation and greens and regulation, I think, uh, you know, that team would, would be able to do that. I think they're going to go complementary skill sets. Do you think otherwise? Um, we'll see what happens. We're, we're getting close to Friday afternoon, but I think one thing is clear. Scotty Scheffler is going to be on the field uh, and then the first round. All right, uh, Patrick, we're going to take a, a quick break here and hear a word from our partners. But on the other side, we'll get into the $7,000 range, the $6,000 range, the $5,000 range. And I mentioned it's a unique setup. There's also a 4K range. We'll get to all that after this. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. And we're back. And it's time now, Patrick, to get into the $7,000 range. We got Tyrrell Hatton at $7,800. Max Homa, $7,600. Jordan Spieth, $7,400. Matt Fitzpatrick, $7,200. Ricky Fowler at a flat. 7,000. What do you see in this range? There, I mean, there are some big names here. Uh, you get, get some pretty good value on these guys. I love this entire range. I, I, I would pick them all. I, I think there's so much, uh, there's a wide range of outcomes for everyone in this range. Uh, Jordan Spieth probably going to play a lot. You would imagine the most matches of anyone in this range. If, if you had to take a gander, uh, of the five players, but you have someone like Terrell Hatton who just had, you know, the best statistical season of his career finished runner up there at the BMW championship. It'll be his third Ryder cup. Uh, he might be paired with someone like a John Rom. So you could attach him to a John Rom 
someone who is a very good golfer, super well-rounded, that would be, you know, a very, a very fiery team to put kindly, I think, uh, passionate perhaps is another word pro- prognosticators might use to describe them. Yes. But, uh, he, he's just, he's a tremendous player. And I think the potential to, to pair with Rom would, uh, certainly warrant the 7,800 buy-in. And then Max Homa is someone I've circled from the start who I think could be in for a fantastic week. You look back to the President's Cup, I know it's a completely different animal than the Ryder Cup, but going 4-0-0, he just got the monkey off his back at the Open with a top-10 finish there. He was able to qualify on his own volition for the Ryder Cup team, which was a big goal of him with a strong push uh, through the FedEx Cup playoffs. And just had a nice finish there in Napa Valley as well. So I think those two, if you're looking for form, if that's what your vice is, it's between Hatton and Homa. And if you're looking for upside, it is Jordan Spieth. It is absolutely Jordan Spieth. It's a scary prospect. He really hasn't looked the same since, I would say, Wells Fargo when he hurt his wrist. And he also tweaked his back that week. The summer was pretty sloppy. He had a nice opening round there in Memphis. But outside that, he didn't really show a lot in the FedEx cup playoffs and you know who he's playing with. Do you want to add that on that risk as well? So super risky. I could see Fowler and Fitzpatrick being lower owned just because their record in this competition is poor. Fitzpatrick. Oh, five and oh Fowler half and half as you as we have coined them three, seven and five, something along those lines. Uh, and so he, he doesn't have a winning record in any of the formats. So those two, if you want to get different, get a little leverage. I don't mind that play. I would lean more Fitzpatrick over Fowler because I think Fitzpatrick could actually play a decent amount. So th- those are really my thoughts. And he, he finished runner up here one time. So some uh, decent memories around the golf course. Fitzpatrick's driving is, um, is a really good, a really strong asset. And, it, you know, maybe this year he had a little bit of a, uh, struggle in the middle of the year, but it looks like it's come back and he is kind of a, a driving machine. So, and he's a totally different player than he was in his previous Ryder cups, 2016, 2021. I think he's really changed since then. So I'm a, uh, proponent of Matt Fitzpatrick, just maybe a little concerned unknown about his pairing, uh, who he's going to play with. He has played the first two practice round days, with um, Justin Rose and you're looking at a along with Rose tomorrow, he's going to play with Fleetwood and McElroy. So you, do you get a, you know, you, you're there's a lot of players on the slate for McElroy that he could pair with yesterday. Fitzpatrick had Rose um, McIntyre and Hoygaard and, and drawing a pairing like that could be, it, it could be a little, it could be tough for him. Now it could work out great. But I'm not sure there's a natural fit where, you know, there's somebody you stack Fitzpatrick with. So if you're going to play Fitzpatrick, it is to get different. I would not captain him. If I'm going to play Jordan Spieth, uh, he's probably either going to be my captain or going to be on my roster. And Justin Thomas is going to be my captain. If I'm going to go that way. And I think if you're going to go that way, you got to go all in. And they're a package deal for me. I don't think you have to play Scheffler and Burns together, although it's an option. You know, I, I don't there's not very many stacks that you have to play together. I, I think even Cantley and Shoffley, 
you can choose one of them and not play the other. And, and I don't, I don't think that's a mistake. I think it's a mistake to go with Spieth or Thomas. And at these prices, I mean, we have not mentioned Justin Thomas's name yet. So, you know, he's less than $7,000. Um, with that talent, that could be the magical key for a captain play. So that's kind of where I sit. I, I'm with you on Homa. If, if you play Morikawa, maybe Captain Morikawa, maybe Homa sneaks into your lineup. But really, uh, all that kind of game theory aside, Hatton's my favorite play in this range. There's no question about it. I, I think pairing aside, he's kind of in that next level of European players that has to play well in order for this to be a great Ryder Cup for the Europeans. Uh, and, and I think a, a lot is going to, I think they're going to lean on him quite a bit, not with the Rory's and the Roms and the Hovland's though. There's a possibility, but he's going to have to carry some of these other guys. So Hatton is the guy on this list for me, the he's a complete player. He is, he has really become a complete player and has an opportunity to step up in a Ryder cup and uh, assert himself in a, a different level of the game. He has that opportunity this week. Yeah, I, t- I totally agree for the Europeans to win this Ryder Cup. I think one of the four Englishmen really need to come up big for them. And I think conventional wisdom would probably be like, oh, it's going to be Tommy Fleetwood. He had a great season. But I would not be surprised if it's House Tyrell. I mean, he has just been unbelievable. It's pretty shocking. He just went around the PGA Tour this year without a win. Way too good of a season. Way too consistent. Uh, the stroke strokes game metrics were fantastic. And then... Like you said with Fitzpatrick, the off the tee is, I think, some like a little bit concerning. But in this range, everyone's probably going to have some sort of issue. And the question is with Fitzpatrick is, does he finally get trotted out for four ball? Uh, he hasn't played four ball in his Ryder Cup career. Um, so right. So so will the third time be the charm? Will being back on European soil be a little home cooking for him? And the thing I find somewhat strange about Fitzpatrick is you look at his prior two appearances in the Ryder Cup. He won the DP World Tour Championship a couple weeks after 2016. He won at Valderrama a couple weeks after 2021. So the form really wasn't you know, that far off. You can't really turn it around. If you're that far away from you know, top-level form, you can't turn it around in like two weeks. You're, you're not just like finding it out of thin air. So – I think Fitzpatrick, I'm, you know, really interested to see how he plays because we, we know what he can do on the biggest stage. I mean, he took down Jordan Spieth at the RBC Heritage. He won the U.S. Open over Scotty Scheffler with Will Zalatoris breathing down his throat. So uh, the, the moment really isn't going to be too big for him. Uh, and I'm not sure you could really, like, Homa and his nerves, you know he's going to be so jacked up. And if – I think there's like a tiny question mark if the jitters get to him or not. I know he's fantastic, but he's a very emotional player. And, and I don't, I don't think you're really going to get that out of Fitzpatrick. Um, has not played a home Ryder cup, which is a very, in, I mean, I think that has a big effect on your record. You go on the road, you get smacked as a team. You don't get a ton of play. I, I think his record's kind of overblown in the Ryder cup and, and he knows it and everybody talks about it and he needs points. I just don't know who he's going to play with. And that's, that's the big problem for me. 
with putting him in my DFS lineup is I, I had, if he's going with Hoygaard and going to kind of, you know, show him the way it could be a, a path to very little usage. Um, and, and that could be a problem. So he's got to, he's got to, you know, develop a strong partnership so he can play that extra match so we can get four matches. Right, because it could be very easily could be well. We'll play him four ball. We'll play him four ball and singles, and and we'll see what we do. But if he can go get a win, because he's got a strong partner, well, maybe you play him in foursomes on Saturday morning, um, and and that's kind of the hope. But it's risky, so I don't really know what we're gonna get. But we mentioned that we have not yet mentioned Justin Thomas's name. Justin Thomas on this DFS slate is six thousand eight hundred dollars. He's one of only three players in the 6K slate. Uh, it's JT at 68, Ludwig Aberg at 64, and Justin Rose at a flat 6,000. Uh, where are you going down here as we start to get into some value plays? I am swerving the hottest name in the street, and I'm swerving the most controversial name in the street. And I'm kind of driving towards the 43-year-old Englishman, Justin oh. Rose. I love his experience and for some seven, uh, two and one in his Ryder Cup career. And the thing that has really caught my eye is his approach play. You, you know you're going to have to stick Justin Rose with a very good driver of the golf ball. That has been his bugaboo for a while. He's not super long off the team. I mean, he's 43 years old and he can struggle with accuracy from time to time. But Justin Rose is great from 10 to 15 feet on the putting surface as well. We have seen it time and time again in the Ryder Cup making massive putts. I'm always brought back to that putt against Phil Mickelson, not only on the 17th hole in 2012, but on the 18th hole as well, uh, flipping that match in Sunday singles. I know that was over a decade ago, but uh, a really experienced player, someone who I am personally really happy to see him back in the Ryder cup and the approach play has been stellar. I mean, you look at Wentworth 6.19 British masters, 5.7 Canadian open was great. The Schwab was great. And it was a really great summer stretch with the iron play. And if you couple him with an elite driver, of the golf ball, which the Europeans have plenty of, it could be a, do you put Ludwig under his wing? Do you send him out with the John Rom? They, they have played together albeit it was in four ball in 2018. Uh, they they don't have any foursomes experience, this European team. They have no prior partnerships, which I think is really interesting to look at. No and Rose and McElroy in foursomes? Never have played. The, only the four only, ball. They've had five prior pairings, and all were in four ball. Four in 2021, and then the one in 18 with Rose and Rom. And so I think you really got to lean on someone like Rose in both foursome sessions. And hell, if he's striking the crap out of the golf ball and he's making putts like we know Justin Rose can, who's to say Donald doesn't let him get one more session in there? And so I understand that the name value with Justin Thomas, if you believe he's going to have a good Ryder Cup, which I actually do, uh, you certainly are getting a reprieve on the price. And with Aberg, the usage rate seems to be high. It seems like Donald and the rest of the captains are going to squeeze everything out of the 23-year-old, and probably rightfully so. But like you said, there, there probably is some concern. He's never played in a major championship. This is a massive stage. He was just playing in the Big 12s yesterday, it seemed like. So for me, in this price range, 
you're probably differentiating yourself pretty good. And I think you're getting a, a bit of a steal with Rose at 6K. It's a, you know, it's a good play. He could definitely fill a spot in the lineup. Um, the, the hard thing for me when I look at these 6K guys is Justin Thomas and the expected usage. And it, there's like with Ludwig, it could be two, three. It could be two or three matches. I think that's kind of what you're looking at. With Rose, you're probably looking at three would be my guess. With Justin Thomas, he's he's like a four to five guy in my eyes. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so it's really hard for me to go with Ludwig or Rose. Uh, although I like your points, and I prefer Rose over over Ludwig. I'm I'm staying away from that. I think it's he's priced too high. I think there's a little bit too much hype on him. And this is a, I mean, he he's a he has proven that he belongs in 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 professional golf, but in the Ryder Cup, you know, it's a big it's a big step up for someone who's never played in a major. So I I think um, I'm staying away from that one. And if I'm wrong. I'm happy to I'm I'm happy to watch the points go to somebody else. But I really the more I think about this, you Justin Thomas just seems like the guy to captain. You think that's just gonna be a pop you think that's gonna be a popular choice? Uh I, I think Xander will probably be the most popular. And I think you'll have your fair share of people doing the Speeth and Thomas stack, the American believers. But it really comes down to your contest selection, I think, if, if you're doing multiple entry in, in one of these bigger ones, the big money ones. And, yeah, I, I go for it just because the potential, we saw it at the 2022 President's Cup. I, I know they're not the same teams, but 4-0 between Spieth and Thomas, if, if you're able to get you know eight winning matches between two players, that is an, a heist pretty much. So I, I, I don't mind the play if you're a believer in both of them and a believer in the Americans. You go with Justin Thomas as a captain and put Spieth on your roster. You end up with an average remaining salary of eighty one hundred. Um, that gives you a lot of leeway, a lot of room to play with, and a pretty high uh, a high usage partnership that's proven uh, in your lineup. I, I think it all of a sudden you could start adding Cantleys and Shawfleys, and you can get a Rom or a McElroy. Uh, or a Hovland in your lineup, you have that kind of flexibility when you go that way. So, uh, yeah, I, I look at the 6K range, and I, I'm fine with Rose, um, but I think Thomas is really the the feature there. Um, let's move on to the uh, 5K range here. We got Wyndham Clark, 5,800. Shane Lowry, 5,400. Sam Burns, 5,200. Uh, what, what do you see here? What do you like here? Well, I told you I liked the back end Europeans a little bit just because yeah. I believe their their pairings are a bit more up in the air where with Wyndham Clark, I'm not really too sure how he fits into this lineup for the Americans, uh, you know, outside of wanting Rory McIlroy on Sunday. I'm not too sure what he's <laughs> going to do Friday and Saturday. So that does lead me to Shane Lowry at 5,400. The thing with Lowry is the, the ball striking's actually actually been quite good. And it's very su- good. Surprisingly for you think about Shane Lowry, you think about a world-class short game getting up and down from everywhere, just like saucy little chip shots. And that really hasn't been the case lately. The around the green games really fallen off. 
over the past month or so, you know, past couple, two months. And, and so you think about Shane Lowry and he can raise his game in these big moments. Some of his best finishes this year you know, were at the P, uh, PGA championship. He, he played great at the K club as well. The Irish open, that's a huge tournament in, in his mind. So a potential pairing with Rory McIlroy. I know Rory came out this past week, said he'd take a bullet for the man. He said his, his wife might even take a bullet for his wife too. So the families are very close. They do have some prior experience together. If you can attach someone down here with a player up top, I know we, we have Burns at 5,200 as well, but I think there are some question marks around Burns' usage with, alongside Scotty Scheffler. I kind of like Shane Lowry, and we we saw in his debut he absolutely loves it. I know there's a meme where it's like Chris Paul makes a three to cut the lead into to 40 points. That was kind of like Shane Lowry when he made the putt yes. on 18 at Whistling yeah. Straits right. over Harris English and Tony Finau. Yeah, but, it, that was great. But it, it's I I love the passion, and you know he's just going to be so jacked up and ready for it. So I I. I since I am stacking more of the front end top tier Americans, I'm looking to build out some of my builds with these back end Europeans and, and Lowry fits the bill for me at 5,400. Yeah. I think you're looking at a, a McElroy pairing the Irish contingent. I mean, they like to do this in Europe. They like to put uh, the, the Spanish players together. And I know Rory has a different looking flag next to his name, but those two guys are both Irish uh, to me. And I, I think they end up playing together, likely in foursomes. And and then in, in four ball, I wouldn't be surprised to see a, a Hatton and, and Lowry pairing as well, which would be two strong partnerships for uh, for someone like Shane Lowry. So I'm, I'm totally with you. I drafted in him. I drafted him in our, our snake draft, uh, thinking that Shane Lowry has been playing a whole lot better. You mentioned the around the green play, too, which has been weak, especially by his standards. But. I don't think that's a big deal in in the Ryder Cup. I I, I feel like um, the ball striking is much more important. Putting is much more important. And while his putting hasn't been great, uh, I think his ball striking is going to be strong enough to carry him and, and make him a you know a really important figure on this team. And that's what I'm that's what I'm looking forward to. Burns, I'm expecting good usage out of him as well. I I think you could make Burns your captain. Um, Scotty, I, I think, I don't think he's a five match guy like he was at the president's cup, probably a three match guy, but uh, Burns stepped up at the president's cup. He played some great golf and I, I think he's a gamer. He's got dog. He's a dog, right? You have a, you have Burns as a dog or no? Yeah, he's kind of like a, a little rat dog outside with that mullet right now where he kind of just pesters you a lot looking for treats and you kind of shake him off. He's like, he's like, get the hell out of here <laughs> type of deal. But I, I totally agree. I think he's a three, potentially up to four uh, match type of candidate because if he goes out there with Scheffler and, and you're right, he gets the call for four sums and, and they're really feeding off each other and they're rolling. Is Zach Johnson going to sit one of like sit burns after saying that say they win like three and two in the morning session or something like that. I think you have a really tough time justifying that if he's playing really good golf and there are signs at the end of the season. I mean, he had the course record there 
at uh, Olympia Fields. He tied Homa before Hovland clipped him on the last day, and he can just make so many putts. Like, yes, frustrate the crap out of his opponents, really make up for potentially poor ball striking with the putter. And he wasn't that bad at East Lake as well, finishing inside the top 10. So I, I like the upside of Burns. It's definitely there. But if he gets off to a bad start early, I'm not too sure if he's able to recover from that, which it's a bit concerning. But I think it's between him and Lowry. Clark's a total mystery to me. I don't know what they're going to do with him at all. I don't know really his fit for this golf course. And yeah, that, that's really where I'm at with him. I could see him being one of the, the lowest owned guys on on the slate. You know, they had the um, the Finau, English, Bryson, Scheffler groups in the last Ryder Cup that only played four ball. Uh, and they both played twice and they all they all played well, as everybody did. I, I could see Wyndham Clark getting in one of those situations where he's going to play a four ball match on Friday afternoon and then we'll see. And if it goes well, if he plays well, he'll get another crack at it on Saturday afternoon as well. But it doesn't feel like he's going to get a, a spot in a foursomes. So I think maybe you see him with a Ricky Fowler in one or two of those matches. But I'm with you. It's, it's generally a mystery. So I'm, I, I really like Shane Lowry for this Ryder Cup. I think he's going to be a big part of it. He may lose, but he's going to play. And and I think he's, his matches are going to come down to the wire. And Sam Burns, you're taking a risk, just like you know the JT Spieth thing. If you don't like JT Spieth, that you know Burns may be a legitimate place to go for a captaincy. Probably a little less popular as well. So I I like that. Let Let's go on to the uh, the the 4K slot here. This is the final pricing slate that we have here and we got Nikolai Hoygaard 4,800 Brian Harmon 4,600 Sepp Straka 4,200 and McIntyre at 4,000 you said you were backloading Europeans you got three of them here in the 4k <laughs> range uh, are you sticking with that strategy or are you going with the lone American uh, th- this is definitely slim pickings and Luke Donald said something today in his press conference where he doesn't envision a scenario where they get to Sunday and someone's coming off the bench cold. He believes everyone's going to get at least one team session, but that's kind of where he ended things where they'd only be potentially getting one. And those are my concerns for Robert McIntyre and in some respect, Nikolai Hogard as well. If I had to pick one player in this range, it's Sepp Strzok at 4,200. One, because I think he could get some play in foursomes. Really accurate off the tee. Sneaky iron player. I think he ranks 12th in approach among the 24 players in this field. And we we know exactly what he can do with the putter. Just run blistering hot like the Georgia Heat. And so I think of the guys, Sepp Straka presents the most upside. And that's really what you're looking for in this range, right? I think he has the best potential of the plays to snag three matches with a slight, slight chance for a fourth. I don't know if it's going to happen, but for me, it's Straka. You look at the approach numbers from Eastlake and Wentworth, both over four strokes gained approach was quietly the runner up at the open championship behind Brian Harmon, also in this price range. 
but the uh, the play Straka, in my opinion, with the uh, the back end Europeans, he certainly qualifies as one of those. I think you and I are on a very similar strategy uh, here. Now, Straka's risky, but I look at this grouping from, I guess today's practice rounds, and he played with Shane Lowry, Rory McIlroy, Tommy Fleetwood. Uh, you know, if any of those become a pairing for Sepp Straka, he's got a really strong partner, a really strong partner. I don't know if that's foursomes or four ball. Uh, you may only see him three times, but you pair him with uh, Tommy Fleetwood, somebody who is really steady, uh, really, really good off the tee, uh, really accurate, good ball striker. I mean, Sepp Straka and Tommy Fleetwood could be that could become a, a Mollywood pairing. Because, you know, Sepp Straka is really accurate off the tee and a really good iron player. He was 21st off the tee in, uh, in accuracy this year on the PGA Tour. You wouldn't think that because he's so volatile, but he is accurate uh, and his iron play is elite. So he's going to give himself a, a lot of opportunities. I, I could see Sepp Straka getting some, getting some pretty good play. It, and then tomorrow's projected, I, I guess, in the um, the practice round pairings for tomorrow, he's going to be with Hovland, Hoygaard, and Rom. Uh, um, now, if you think that Hovland and Rom are going to play together all week, which some do, uh, Hoygaard may be less attractive. But boy, it, I'll tell you what—that's um, that's still a pretty lethal team off the tee, and I'm. Pretty, I feel pretty good about Sepp Straka. You do not have to go this deep into the value plays here. You don't have to play any of these guys, uh, especially if you go the JT or Spieth model as a captain, if you go with a Sam Burns as a captain, kind of some logical, cheaper plays. You don't have to get down this low. But it may be worth it to get Sepp Straka in your lineup. I'm totally with you there, Patrick. It's always worth it to get Sepp Straka. In your lineup, so, <laughs> I do condone using him at forty two hundred. Maybe I, I not in maybe not in a cash game or a, or a double up or something. Yeah, maybe not. Probably a big tur- Probably a big tournament. Yeah. Oh yeah. But that upside is there. It's strong. It's real. Um. All right, Patrick. Anything else? Anything you think we missed? I don't think so. I think we uh, we covered it pretty well. Thank you for uh, allowing me to join the Monday show on a Tuesday DFS. It was a pleasure. Thank you for filling in and joining us. Rick is in Rome, so he's busy. It's also past midnight there at this point. So he's like you. He needs his eight. Uh, <laughs> I don't think Rick's an eight guy, actually. He, may, he But he needs a six. We got to get him some rest because he's got a big week coming up, traversing the hilly Marco Simone golf course. <laughs> which is some some very exciting stuff. So um, we're back with you tomorrow, another episode tomorrow, and then round by rounds, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. So a lot more of the First Cup podcast coming at you in the next couple of days. Uh, I'm Greg Ducharme. You can find me on Twitter at TheRealGFD. That is Patrick McDonald. You can find him on Twitter at AmateurStatus. Big thanks to producer Josh for all of his hard work uh, putting this show together, especially in a week like this where... You have uh, some significant time differences between the uh, between the the members of the podcast here. So thanks so much for listening, and we'll talk to you again tomorrow.
we need to talk. The acclaimed Showtime original docuseries Couples Therapy returns with an addictive and revealing new season. Dr. Orna is back in session, helping four new couples grapple with real issues from religion and sex to polyamorous power dynamics. Collider says couples therapy is like nothing else on TV. It's break up or break through on the new season of Couples Therapy. Now streaming with the Paramount Plus with Showtime plan. Visit ParamountPlus.com to try it free.